Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. Hello, everybody. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder at Generations Church, and with me today, as always, is my friend and pastor, Jeff Ludington, lead pastor at Generations Church. How you doing today, Jeff? I am well this morning. Well, I'm a little sleepy. I told you that earlier, a little groggy, but uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm looking forward to this podcast today. It's funny. This morning I was up, I was praying, and I was thinking about our podcast recording today, and uh, I was thinking about next week's topic. And so when I got back on here today, I'm like, oh, that's not next week's. So I'm super ready for next week's, just for the, just for the record. Today, uh, I'm glad you had some good ideas and we have gotten it together. But uh, welcome, everybody, man. If you're, if you're listening, if you're joining us today, uh, we're glad you're here, just as, as uh, Rob has said. We are in the Heidelberg Catechism. And if you're unfamiliar with that, it is a 450-year-old way of training Christians, uh, kind of birthed out of just post-Reformation. And really, the idea is memorizing truth. And the idea is that we would memorize the truth of Scripture so that when we need it, we have it. And we're in that section now, uh, in the gratitude or how to live out our faith section. Uh, So guilt, grace, gratitude, guilt, our need for a Savior, grace, what Jesus has done for us, and gratitude, how we live it out. And uh, the Catechism goes through the Lord's Prayer, goes through the Ten Commandments, goes through also, uh, uh, the Apostles' Creed, great, great stuff. Um, we're in the Ten Commandments portion right now. So if you're a fan of the Catechism, we're in Lord's Day 43. If you're a podcaster, we're in Episode 43. Super easy. We have one question and answer today, and it's about the Ninth Commandment. And so uh, not giving false testimony or not lying. And so I'm going to ask the question, and Rob is going to give us the answer, and then we're going to talk about some ways that this relates today. So you ready, Rob? You got your I am, vocal I am, and I'm telling the truth. Capacity. I am ready. <laughs> okay, good, man. And uh, by the way, Rob has new AirPods on, so uh, <laughs> this should be phenomenal. I mean, things have changed. Things are good. I got Beats on. He's got AirPods on. We are Apple down. We'll talk Is about this make next us week because I was, yeah, I was coveting your AirPods and then I had to go out and get some. So yeah. we'll bring that up next week. All right. We'll talk about covetous next week. Here we go. <laughs> Question answer 112. What is the aim of the ninth commandment? That I never give false testimony against anyone. Twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor join in condemning anyone rashly or without a hearing. Rather... In court and everywhere else, I should avoid lying and deceit of every kind. These are the very devices the devil uses, and they should call down on me God's intense wrath. I should love the truth, speak it candidly, and openly acknowledge it. And I should do what I can to guard and advance my neighbor's good name. Ooh, that's good, man. I uh, Even just listening to you, I know we've already talked about this, read through this, prepared for this. Man, even just listening, there's so many things that just jump out. Um, I want to begin with uh, something. If you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard me reference this. If you've read my book, you know I talk about this. I, uh, it's in Romans 1. 
And uh, my book covers most of Romans. Uh, but what I do is I'm, I'm answering tough questions that people have had uh, in life. And in Romans 1, uh, my second chapter is, are all sins equal and or are some worse than others? And I deal with some stuff that's in Romans 1. But the premise for this is Romans 1, 24 and 25. And, in, and 124 is talking about how God is letting people kind of giving themselves up to their own sin, right? And then it says, why? So Romans 1, 24 and 25 says this, therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Now, most people who know this know where that passage is going, and that's what they hear. They hear that uh, sexual sin, that impurity. But it's this next verse for me that makes the most impact. It says in verse 25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So the premise of sin is trading in worship of the creator God, God who is deserving of our worship, and trading it in for a lie by worshiping a creature, something created. And for me, that's been so impactful for understanding sin and sin's relationship to us and idolatry. And so Simple in this setting when it's talking about impurity or sexual sin, you're trading in worship of God who created us, God, in fact, who created sex. You're trading it into worship sex if that's the context. That passage also goes on to talk about uh, gossip and other things, right? So um, that fits more of today about being tellers of truth, not not lying, not bearing false testimony. And I love the expansion the catechism gives us, man. Twist no one's words, right? Uh, in court and everywhere else, that you know was that was the catechism's way 450 years ago of saying, "Hey, remember when you get on social media to tell the truth?" Okay, maybe that's not what they were saying, but definitely that covers it, right? Um, but I love this. These are the devices the devil uses, right? Those are, these are the things that the enemy would use to twist us up and get us moving against each other. We'll talk about some of that today. Um, and then I should do, there's that positive attribute you and I have talked about in the, in the, in the catechism. What do you not do? What do you do, right? Guard and advance my neighbor's good name. And so when we, when we worship God, we will love God and love one another, right? When we worship God, we will be truth tellers and we will advance our neighbor's good name, not run him down. So there's a lot there. Uh, I love that. Just listening to you read it, man, is different than reading it. I'm just hearing it. And it's just super cool. So uh, what comes to mind for for you, Rob? Like what jumps out when you're going through this? I was reading through it and and it's that idea that I should love the truth, right? I I should speak it candidly. I should... I should fight for truth. I should see truth as important because it's important yeah. to God. Um, but that brings up a question, and it, and it popped into my mind right away. Um, the scene where Jesus is being um, put before the crowds during mm-hmm. his trial, and, and, and Pilate is there, and Pilate takes him off um, just to have a personal conversation with him and and just says, so you were a king. And, and Jesus says, you say that I am a king for this purpose I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate just says to him, what is truth? Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we're struggling with in our society today is just what is truth? Is there absolute truth? 
um, it's frustrating when you're trying to talk to somebody and you say, well, here's truth. And they say, well, that's your truth. That's not my truth. That seems to be a key phrase nowadays. I have my truth. You have your truth. Even if they're, you know, completely opposite, we can still coexist with each other's having different truths. Um, man, that's frustrating. But how do you, how do you reason with somebody? How do you fight that and say, you know what? No, there is truth. Yeah. You know, so, um, we talked about this, I think, uh, in the last episode, but um, by profession, you're a high school teacher. You teach math and Bible. And uh, by profession, of course, I'm a pastor, but I took the opportunity to teach at the local high school that you teach at, the Christian, the, it's a private school, Christian school. And I get to teach all the seniors their required Bible course called Reformed Doctrine. And so uh, I jumped at the chance. I love working, well, love Reformed Doctrine, and then I uh, wanted to work in our community and do some things, work with young people. And I'm using uh, Everyone's a Theologian by R.C. Sproul, which is really an introduction to systematic theology or a basic systematic theology. And in chapter one or two, when it's just talking about kind of an introduction to theology, I think it's in chapter one, it talks about relativism. And relativism is the doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relationship to culture, society, or historical context, and they're not absolute. So it's the, the doctrine or belief, it's the, it's the thing you're talking about that says, hey, well, what might be true for you is not true for me. You know, hey, it's great that Jesus is working for you, but Buddha is working for me. Or it's great that, you know, you know, two plus two equals four for you. But for me, you know, that really feels like a 3.6. You know, I mean, like, and, and when we say something crazy and dumb like that, it's obvious, right? But when we really let it go into the esoteric, uh, well, you know, your truth, my truth, your faith, my faith, then it gets a little murkier. The, the, muddy, the, the waters get muddied and our culture buys in. But if Jesus, let's just give it a solid, like a math equation. If Jesus entered into human history and said, there is one God and I am God. And then Jesus lived and he died and he resurrected from the grave. And he's the only human slash God to do that, right? And he's true and he's ascended back to heaven. And he said things like in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way, not some, tr not, not your truth, right? And I can offer you life, but I am the way, the truth, the life, the definite article, the, incredibly important in that sentence. And then he says this, no one comes to the Father except through me. So either Jesus is right or wrong, but he's eliminating every other possibility. If Jesus is correct, Jesus is the only way. If Jesus is wrong, relative is relativism is possible. But if Jesus is right, and if we believe in Jesus, we cannot believe in relativism. The Bible is exclusive. Uh, I would also make the statement that almost every other faith system, uh, there, are, there are some exceptions like Hinduism, but uh, most other faith systems are also exclusive. No one that says, well, you know, it sounds like you're talking about God and you call him Yahweh and this one calls him Elohim or Heavenly Father and this one calls him Allah. But aren't they all really the same thing? I would tell you without doubt. Each faith system would tell you no. Islam would say no. Christianity's wrong, right? You know, I mean, like, and, and Christianity would say no. Allah's not God, right? So relativism is this belief that truth might be flexible. 
It might be different for you, different for me. And the Bible doesn't allow for that. Culture embraces that, but that waters down the idea that there is a truth. And again, I go back to math. Math is math. And the more complex the equation, the more limited the answer could be. Like there's only one way to have a right answer. I mean, let me rephrase that. Maybe there's more ways to get there, but there's only one right answer. And with Jesus, uh, there's only one right answer. And he's either right or wrong. And either only, only one of those is right. And if he is right, then exclusivity, truth, truth is it. Does that make sense? That's my ramble. So that sense, sense? But again, it's, it makes sense, but it's also something that's frustrating to try to talk to someone who is yeah. grabbing onto the point of, well, okay, you believe that, but that's not right. true for me. And you just got to reason through that and get them to a point of where they just talk themselves into a corner and say, okay, wait a yeah. minute. You know, yeah, if I yeah. take your wallet and say, hey, this is my truth, that this is okay to do, you're not going to be happy with that. Right. But I, I, just, I try and pin that corner, by the way, just so not to speak over you, but I try and pin that corner down real simple. Like, okay, so then do you think murder is wrong? Well, yes. Now, why? Right? Like, how do you arrive at a conclusion you have something strongly, any kind of strong conclusion? How do you arrive there? Right. Well, if you're right, then it's wrong for everyone. Right. And, and so most people will pin them, paint themselves into that corner super quick. That's just as an example. Great. Yeah. Great example. Um, man, we're talking about truth. We're in the middle of an election cycle. <laughs> it seems to be very hard to come by and you don't Definitely know who to believe. Flexible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody's claiming fake news. If somebody, if a news story says something that, you know, you don't want out there, then, then it must be fake news. And, um, it's just so easy and maybe even call it laziness of just accepting what we hear as truth without actually doing any, any digging into it. Um, it only mm. takes a few negative things to be said about somebody true or not um, for people to believe it. I think, I think one of the ideas of focusing on truth and loving the truth is I have to be willing to do the hard work, maybe accept the fact that, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say this person is guilty until I actually do some work and dive in and say, okay, is this true? I got to believe if I'm going to, if I'm going to hold my neighbor's name as being a value, then I'm not going to believe things about my neighbor unless I have some facts to back them up. And I'm definitely not going to pass them on to others. So I think right. that's part of it is knowing what to believe and then not passing on things that are, that we don't know to be factually true. Yeah. And man, election cycles bring out the worst in people. Um, and I think that for all the fun and uh, connectivity, maybe that social media brings uh, the clearly the 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 hole in our game is that it brings this out too. You know, that, that it allows. You know, the internet has allowed anyone. We're we're proof. I mean, here we are. This is on the internet, um, and who are we? You know, it's not. You know, so anybody can get on the internet. Anybody can have an opinion on social media. Anybody can say anything, right? So there's so much content, so many, so much information out there um, that rather than making us smarter, I think in many ways it's made us dumber. And kind of like uh, just as an example, now that we all live on cell phones and do this, I don't know your phone number as an example. Yet I text you and call you and stuff all the time. Um, but I, you know, I barely know you know my own number, my wife's number, but. Used to be when you had a, a, a dial telephone or a push button telephone or even phones before they saved all the numbers, you knew a whole bunch of phone numbers, right? And so by having technology, 
we've advanced what we can do, but in a way we've made us lazier. And I think that that applies here. Um, and I think that there's the natural tendency of sin inside humanity. Um, the last part of the answer is I should love the truth, speak it candidly and openly acknowledge it. People stop there. They want to do that part per their idea of what that is, but they miss the And I should do what I can to guard and advance my neighbor's good name. Now, knowing that when the disciples said, well, Jesus, who is my neighbor? He tells this story of this person they don't know, right? And so it's talking about fellow humanity, right? That we should do what we sh- we can to advance the cause of our neighbor's good name. So our whether that be the politician and the other party. Now, we know that's not going to happen, right? We know that Trump's not going to speak well of Biden. Biden's not going to speak well of uh, Trump. Uh, I think Pence is probably going to stay out of the fray, which, by the way, is an attribute, you know, kind of is attributed to his faith. Kamala Harris is going to be bomb throwing. And I don't care which side you're on right now. Everybody's going to be throwing bombs at everybody. It always happens. Right. But that's our modern day struggle. Social media, regular media, politics. And what happens is we get this story, we get this news bite or this clip or this headline, this clickbait headline. And we want to pass it on. It fits our narrative. We're not so quick to pass something on. If I think Rob's the best person on the planet and there's a headline that says Rob's the best person on the planet, I'm ready to share it. But if it says, hey, man, Rob doesn't really like you, you know, then I'm not really quick to share that. Like we, we share the things that fit our narrative, that fit our feelings, right? But Jesus says this, um, if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples, this is John 18, 31 and 32. Uh, if you abide my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Our biggest issue right now, both in politics and, um, well, this has become political, but the virus as well. The virus has been politicized. So we're not sure what works or doesn't work. I think the hydrochloroquine thing is a really weird conversation in our culture. Um, it appears that it's had some effect at some level. It appears that there might be a good reason to try it, and yet, because one person said it, the other political aisle doesn't like it and says it's fake, right? And so then the other side of the aisle will pick up an idea, and it might be a good idea. And then the you know the opposing team, it's fake or it doesn't work or this or that. Masks, hydrochloroquine, you know, quarantining, working, not working, all this stuff. It's gotten to this place where it's so politicized, we actually don't know the truth about the health. And then people are so passionate and politicized that they will pass it along, pass along positions, opinions. And nobody I know of, uh, well, actually, not, I'm, I am friends with one epidemiologist on Facebook, but I'm a nerd. So most people, and he doesn't pass on anything, but most of the people I know on social media that are talking about the virus have no medical framework, right? Most, you know, not all, but most, and yet they are deeply opinionated about it. And so we should do better. We, we should be not perpetuating things we don't know. We, we should say a lot less, I think. That, I think that would be a challenge to us. Well, you want people to stop speaking as much. To, well, a, or to speaking truth would be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, I, I think if people have listened to this podcast for a while, they know. And, and if, if you get a chance and, and you want to go back and not only listen to this, but maybe listen to some of the um, Isaiah sermons that uh, you've been doing at our, at our church, you know, that a lot oh, of times church plug, church plug. generation yeah, church, man, you can go to genfamily.church, <laughs> YouTube, Vimeo. You can look up generations, family church, go listen. No, that's true. 
Yeah, no, he prepared for, for about a, what is that, 150 sermons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and went on for a year and a half. Um, yeah, go. just Isaiah, finished up. A long but, book, man. Yeah, but I love the fact that during that you kept saying, you know, we're not talking to those people outside of the church. We're talking to the yeah. church. And I think when we deal with this honesty thing, it's really easy for us to look at people in our culture and say, man, they're not honest. And, and I think we miss the fact that, man, in the church, um, man, we could we could do a lot to be more honest in the church, whether it's um, pastors who leave out difficult teachings because they don't mm-hmm. want to drive people away. They don't want people to leave church feeling um, guilty, feeling, feeling, you know, that they, you know, introspective. Um, but I think there's also too that we can be dishonest by, by not saying anything when we should say something about being quiet. I think people mm-hmm. come into church and get this idea that everybody here has their lives together. Everybody knows what's going on because we don't talk about our struggles. And so you walk into church and you say, I don't belong here because everybody here has got their life together and mine isn't. And you've made yeah. very clear, and I, I don't think I'm, I'm putting you down for this, but you said, man, if this was a perfect church, you wouldn't be the pastor and none of us yeah, would well, be allowed at the door. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think it's important that we are just transparent, honest, and just say, hey, you know, this is what we struggle with. It's okay to be honest about those kind of things. Yeah, I like that, man. I So first off, everything I've said today about politics and media and social media as a, are either examples or I'm talking about Christians on social media, right? Or in modern day setting right now, it seems like there's a lot of verses being quoted in politics, uh, though I don't see a lot of people who look like Christians. And that's true of both sides, man. I, you know, lots of people professing faith, but I don't see it. And, and God only knows their heart. I mean, only God knows their hearts, but, but I don't see it. But there's a lot of verses being thrown around by politicians and stuff. But when I talk about relativism, I'm talking about in the church. And when, when I talk about um, social media posts and things like that, I'm talking about Christians doing that. Uh, we are held to a higher standard, right? And so this hypocrisy in the church is true, man, is real. Um, and I think you're right. You're touching on a sensitive area that the church um, want to feel like they have it all together. Maybe they put on a front, a mask when they get together um, because they know they should be living one way, but they're not, right? The, the entirety of the gospel is you should be living one way. You should be doing, you should be living a life that glorifies God, but you're not, right? And you haven't and you can't. So God brings Jesus to us who did, who can, who has, and, and, and then traded his life for us. And so that in his resurrection, in his death, in his life, I did those in backwards order, but in all those things, that Jesus has given us victory, has given us new life, has given us, granted us forgiveness, and then grafted us into God. Um, the entire point of the gospel is we don't have it together. And so even in Christ, filled with Christ's Spirit, with the Holy Spirit of God, even in that, we fail regularly. And so hypocrisy is us acting like we don't fail and like we have it together. And what that does, in fact, I think all that does is makes a church or a relationship superficial. It definitely doesn't make it deep and meaningful. If I can't be honest with you and you can't be honest with me, we're not very good friends, you know, and I can't really contribute to your your life, nor can I gain from yours, right? Um, And the church, it makes it very superficial and and very shallow. Um, But it also makes us a bad witness to the world because the world knows we don't have it all together, right? And and if they, for a minute, buy in to think we do, we're going to let them down pretty quick. But Hypocrisy is um, is terrible. Uh, it's that that 
Rather, transparency would be the opposite, where we live, hey, listen, I am flawed, uh, I sin, uh, I'm not defined by my, by my sin, I'm defined by Jesus, but I still fall short of that. Um, Jesus says in John 4, he says this to the Samaritan woman at the well, uh, who asks a great question of him, by the way, uh, the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers, he defines true worshipers versus false worshipers there, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So note the repeating theme of truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. In two, two sentences, Jesus repeats the word truth three times, uh, just reminding us that truth, transparency, authenticity is a part of our faith. And when we fall short of that, not only do we sell short what the church should be, but we also undermine the witness the church should have into the world. Great. Yeah, we're, we're just about to wrap this up. Um, is there anything you want to add? We, we talked last week about um, when, we, when we steal, you know, what does that say about our faith? Um, when we lie, what does, that, what does that say about our faith if we struggle with the truth. And I think it's, it's kind of backing up to that last idea. It's that we don't understand the gospel, right? That we, we, and, and, and so it, it's, it's, we don't understand the gospel. The gospel proclaims we sin, right? And, you know, the Bible tells us, the New Testament tells us, you know, if we say we're without sin, we're calling God a liar, right? And we're really invalidating Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Like we're saying, we don't need that, right? So we are sinful, and so we're not just sinful in theory, we're sinful in practice, like we sin actively, right? Uh, for the most part, knowingly and willingly sin, right? Every once in a while, we'll make a mistake in sin, but a lot of times we choose to sin even knowing better. And so we say that we don't understand the gospel, right? The gospel is for sinners. Now, we also don't understand the relationship with the church when we try and put that front on in church. We don't understand that that's the place where we are to confess our sins. So that's probably one of the tragedies lost in the Reformation in, in, in kind of the, the pendulum swing away from Roman Catholicism was that we're not called to confess our sins to a priest, but we are called to confess our sins one to another, Scripture says, that we should have an active practice of confession. And that, that is, uh, for me, to not have some secret hold over me of, I'm struggling in this area, no one knows it, and it's got this power over me, pressure over me, Right. But it also allows me when I share my sin or my struggle or my pain with you, and it kind of like, oh, well, I kind of struggle with that too. Like I'm not alone, right? And so I think by this hypocrisy and this lack of truth, we undermine what the church is about. I also, and I'll go back, I always want to point outward. We also misunderstand our witness. It is not me portraying myself to the world as having it all together that wins people to Jesus. It is me authentically sharing my journey and how I'm in my faith and how, I, how I'm still falling short, but Jesus is there with me and how, how God through his spirit and through the gospel has helped me overcome things. That's authentic. That, and that is our best witness to others. That's our story. That's truth, right? Um, truth is not Jesus, you know, fixed me. I'm done. I'm good. I'm going to heaven. That's not the truth. And so, we undermine the entire view of the gospel, the church, and our witness when we're not more transparent. Yeah, so I think that's a great way to end, and it's a great challenge for the church. Be honest. Um, be honest about what the gospel says, even in the difficult passages. Be honest with our sinfulness. 
um, be willing to let people know about our struggles so that they feel like they can come and, and you know, be broken with us. Mm-hmm. That's good. All right. So we want to thank you for listening to Generations Church Podcast. As a reminder, we put a new episode out every Tuesday. Uh, not too many left in this series. And so we'd love to have you join us for those last few. Um, so remember, Tuesdays, guilt, grace, and gratitude episodes come out. Give us a review, like us, share us with your friends, and we'll talk to you next week. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at Gin Family Church.